The Sparks Museum podcast is made possible by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The podcast is just one of many new features of the Sparks Heritage Museum. To learn more, check out our social media channels or our website at www.sparksmuseum.org. Hello, and welcome to the Sparks Museum podcast. I'm your host and the media manager for the Sparks Heritage Museum, Jessica Johnson. The Sparks Heritage Museum is based out of Sparks, Nevada, and has been dedicated to preserving the historical and cultural heritage of Sparks and the surrounding Truckee Meadows region for the education and enjoyment of both present and future generations since its formation in 1985. Through this history-themed podcast, we intend to provide listeners with an audio-based walkthrough of the museum, offering an immersive storytelling experience to complement the many historic artifacts, exhibits, and stories preserved and displayed inside. Be it in the origin of the Central Pacific Railroad, the significance of the upcoming revitalization of the original 1931 Sparks Library, or even in the evolution of the museum's historic Victorian Square building itself, We believe that there are innumerable stories in our community that are worth sharing. This new audio series has the intent of doing exactly that, documenting the stories of the places, people, and events that have made the city of Sparks what it is today. Each episode will focus on one of the many tales of Sparks' history, told by a special guest local to the area that has been selected based on their expertise in that episode's subject. Now, without further ado, let's welcome our very first guest in this inaugural episode of the Sparks Museum podcast, Mr. Scott Carey. Hello, Scott. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what's your personal relationship with the city of Sparks? Well, thanks a lot, Jessica, for having me. Um, You know, I've listened to my fair share of of podcasts running around and it's kind of cool to finally be on one. (laughs) Same. Um, Yeah, I, I like to say I got deep roots to, to Sparks. Sparks is home. Um, my family moved to the area in the 60s. Both my grandparents moved here. Um, on my mom's side, I had two teachers that taught in the area at local schools. And on my dad's side, my grandfather moved the family here to work for the uh, Veterans Administration Hospital in, in Reno. He was a dental hygienist after he retired from the U.S. Army or the U.S. Air Force. And so I've, I've grown up in Sparks, went to Catherine Dunn Elementary, went to Dilworth Middle School, go Knights, graduated from Reed High School, go Raiders, and I used the Governor Kenny Gwynn Memorial Millennium Scholarship to graduate from the University of Nevada. Wow, so you really have roots here. Yeah, I, I like to think I got roots, and I think I like to have a nice deep connection to the city of Sparks as well, too. My dad, Sean Carey. Um, grew up in Sparks. He went to Sparks High School. Unfortunately, as a Reed Raider, we kind of have a big rivalry with those guys. But um, he's a member of the Sparks High School Hall of Fame as well, too. But he worked for the city of Sparks for 25 years. And through that, I've been kind of suck- suckered into public service. And um, over the years, I served, I was appointed by our late great mayor, Tony Armstrong, to be on the city of Sparks Centennial Commission back in 2005. Also served for two or three years on the city's uh, Parks and Rec Commission. For the last six years, I've had the, the great pleasure of being appointed by the city council to the uh, city of Sparks Planning Commission, as well as well too. 
Excellent. Wow. Well, we're very, very honored that you agreed to uh, be on our very first episode of this podcast. I can think of no one better to uh, speak about really one of the main central hubs that is in this city, which is the Victorian Avenue block of downtown Sparks, which is where the Sparks Heritage Museum is located. And it's my understanding that you've researched this area extensively. So how did your research about the evolution of downtown Sparks really come about? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've been involved with the museum ever since I got involved with the Centennial Commission Back in 2003, 2005, it was a great it was a great party we had when the city turned 100 years old. And I think my first involvement at the museum was actually when we had a commission meeting at the museum. And it was like, what is this place? And, uh, and so that kind of, I think, sparked my, hit, my, uh, my interest in Sparks history. And over the years, I've become a member, member of the museum. And since 2009, I've served on our, on our board of, of trustees at the museum. But I think a lot of my research and kind of the deep dive into the history of, of downtown Sparks started when I was in, in college. I worked for the City of Sparks Planning Department, and through that effort, I got to get involved with a lot of uh, historic preservation projects. And when I was attending college, college up at the University of Nevada, I took a historic preservation class with Mella Harmon, and she um, worked for a long time and retired from the State Historic Preservation Office, but... Um, I think for my midterm of that of that historic preservation class was I developed a walking tour of downtown Sparks. And um, when I was going to college, there was a lot of talk of redevelopment and things going on. And I just kind of wanted to document the buildings that, that were there and, and the history. And really, I think that the history of, of Sparks can be tied to our Victorian Square area. And the area that I'm most generated most of my research is you know, around the Sparks Heritage Museum, which is located there at the corner of Victorian and, and Pyramid Way. And it goes down to 10th Street where the Bank of Sparks building is and then the south side of that kind of two-block area. I like to call that Sparks' historic district. It's probably the most intact area of, of downtown that we still have available. And really the history of the community is deeply tied to, to this area. And, you know, the city of Sparks kind of brands itself or has the tagline of it's happening here. Well, the history of Sparks really happened in this Sparks historic district, as, as, as I like to say. Wow. Well, and that's such an interesting point that you bring up as well of, you know, it's really this most intact example that we have of Sparks's over a century long roots. And yet at the same time, we've seen significant change happen over these places. So as we kind of go on this oral walkthrough of the downtown Sparks area, maybe there's no better place to start than with the Sparks Heritage Museum building itself, because that in and of itself has gone through quite a lot of changes. So what can you tell me about the story of 814 and 820 Victorian Avenue, respectively, which currently houses the Sparks Heritage Museum buildings? Oh, you know, the Sparks Heritage Museum building's got a lot of great history, and it's, it's you know, it's really kind of the bedrock of, of what I call Sparks' historic um, historic district, you know, the Sparks Heritage Museum building located at 814 Victorian. They're right there on the corner of Victorian and, and Pyramid Way. Um, for the old timers, that would be 8th Street originally and B Street, but um, today we know it as Pyramid Way and, and Victorian Avenue. Um, the building was built in 1931. It was designed by um, Frederick DeLongchamps, who is Nevada's preeminent architect. I think every 
building of substance um, around the entire state of Nevada, you know, at one point was was designed by him. And he's such his he had such a fascinating architectural career that pretty much every courthouse and institution and bank building around this the state what at one point was designed by him or his firm. He's so substantial in kind of Nevada's history. There's its own category at the State Historic Preservation Office and on the Nevada Register of Historic Places just for his his buildings. But anyway, signed by Frederick DeLongchamps in 1930, 1931, and it housed the Sparks Library and uh, on the top floor and on the bottom floor. And for many years and decades, it hosted the Sparks Justice Court. So the, the museum building is a great brick building. It's been there for, for many years, and it was listed on the National Register in, in 1992. And it's the oldest government building that we have left in, in the city of Sparks. Now, next door at 820, um, or the museum annex building, that building was built in 1935. And for many years, it hosted um, a lot of restaurants that catered to the railroad folks that, that came in. There were a lot of um, uh, Chinese restaurants and diners, and people were kind of going in out of the railroad um, looking for a quick bite to get, to get in and out. And uh, in 1950, the building was converted into Hale's Drug Store, which the Hale's Drug Store was a big chain, national chain, had um, stores all over the place. But this was kind of where Sparks's modern day, you know, we would call it Walgreens or CVS. You know, you'd go down to get, get, your, get your prescriptions. Um, and really the history of the area is, is really tied to kind of the history of, of the community and that the... Sparks Historic District started off as a, as a railroad commercial hub. Then as the city kind of grew outwards, it became kind of the, the, you know, the downtown where you did your shopping, you did your banking, you went out to eat, you, you bought your clothes um, and whatever else you needed. And then towards the 60s and 70s, as the city developed further outwards and got bigger, um, those businesses left, left the community and, and things kind of got ran down. And then in the late 70s and into the 80s and into the 90s, the city embarked on a lot of redevelopment to, to, re, to re, re-educate people about downtown and, um, and, and fix the area up. And the Hales Drug Store building, or the Museum Annex building, in 1977 was purchased by the City of Sparks Redevelopment District. Um, redevelopment in, in, in the, in the, in the mid-70s was a big national move to kind of reinvigorate downtowns and try to do something about urban, urban blight. And so Sparks was actually the first city in the state of Nevada to form its own redevelopment district. And the agency's first project was the acquisition of, of our museum annex building. And what the redevelopment district um, did was they used the building for um, the Sparks Senior Center, and is also, and from that, kind of grew our organization, the Sparks Heritage Museum. So as you mentioned, with Sparks really starting with its roots, with the Central Pacific Railroad being known as the Rail City and all of that at the start of the 20th century, um, what do you think that the early businesses and organizations represented in this commercial district tell us about the needs of early Sparks residents and kind of how those needs changed? You mentioned, you know, the need for the restaurants and the need for people to utilize drugstores. Um, am I correct that there was a hotel down that, that route as well? Sure. You know, the, the building where the, the Blind Onion Pizza and Pietro's Italian restaurant is today, that was the Davis Hotel. And wow. that, was a, that was a prominent hotel for um, passengers traveling through on, on the railroad. Um, if, you, if you can imagine it, when the railroad came in and made the big decision to, to relocate the railroad shops from Wadsworth and create this new city, Sparks, they literally plopped down 
you know, in the middle of a, of, of a, of a marshland and put and created this, this new community, the North side of what we now know as Victorian Avenue, that was where the businesses were. And to the further North um, of, of those businesses, then there was the beginning of kind of the first, first neighborhoods, but to the South side of, of Victorian Avenue, there was an actual neighborhood called the reserve and it was reserved for railroad workers and families. And for many decades, it was a very small, close-knit community that lived there. And those, um, those homes were, were demolished when Interstate 80 was constructed in, in the 80s. But if you can kind of imagine, it was, a, it was kind of a weird downtown in that there was only businesses on one side, residential on, on the south. But throughout its history, this, this district has, has always been downtown. It's the place where people gather, it's where events were, were, were held. But it was also the central road through town. And during its history, you know, the first national road, the Lincoln Highway, actually went down B Street, Victorian Avenue, as, as we did. So it was a place, play for, place for commerce. Um, later on with the evolution of, of the highways, there was US 40. You know, if you were traveling through Reno Sparks or going from California to, to Utah, you would travel right down downtown through Sparks. And so, you know, early on, it was it was very much a central, you know, the businesses were, were there to cater to the railroad, the railroad workers. Um, but then later on, it turned into, you know, more of a downtown where people got, you know, their, their business and, and did their business and bought things and went out to dinner. Um, and then later on, it, 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 it we had kind of a it came run down as the businesses kind of left and bars and pawn shops and vacancies. And then the city, you know, embarked on some on, on a really progressive campaign to, to do redevelopment and try different things over the years. Some some worked, some didn't. But today we know it as as the premier special events venue in, in all of northern Nevada. So I am also a big movie buff. And I think right there at the corner where Great Basin currently is, that used to be a movie house, didn't it? Yeah, that, that that's correct. It was the Reynolds Theater. Mm. Um, before the current building that's we now know as the Great Basin building, that I think was built in nineteen fifty two. Um there was there was a business that, that was located there it was the Reynolds Theater. It was a two story wood building. And um when when Robert Baker bought the uh, the lot in the building, what he did was he sold off, he took the the first story of, of the old Reynolds Theater, which was Sparks's first movie house. Um, he took the first and and um, sold off the first, and I think that went went to Sun Valley or something like that. That's now used as a bar, and then the bottom the bottom story he sold that off to. I think it was somewhere out in Silver Springs. Um, so we kind of had they they split the they split the building and sold it off in two different things. And then he built the current structure that that is there today that that houses the um, rental theater. But one interesting note, kind of on on film, um, I heard, and I, you know, I'm always learning more about the history of sparks and uh, you know, as a history buff, I'm, I, I can't get enough of it. But last week I had heard um, a great um, podcast from Washoe County where they interviewed, um, I think it was uh, Peter Leparetti and I can, I'll have to look that, that up, but he was worked in the DA's office, but he served, um, he was in, um, in the, in the movie Godfather two, mm. which was filmed up at Lake Tahoe infamously. But, um, one of the things it was the Sierra Boys Choir has a has an important role in in that film, at the beginning of the film with the big uh, coronation at the beginning of the of the movie. Oh yeah. But um, one of the things that that Peter shared was that when they filmed the the soundtrack or they they recorded the soundtrack for The Godfather Two, they did that at the Sparks Nugget. 
Oh my gosh. So all these years, you know, one of the greatest films ever made, there's there's actually a Sparks connection. That is incredible. With, uh, Godfather too. <laughs> and right across the street from the area that we're talking about yeah. too. Wow, what are the odds? In thinking about how Victorian Avenue continues to be this community hub of sorts, downtown spaces have always served as concentrated areas for community needs. Um, and like I said, Victorian Avenue continues to host these sort of large-scale events to this day, whether it's the Christmas parade, the rib cook-off. Uh, most recently, uh, the recording of this podcast, the Great Victorian Artisans Fair is coming up. So what features of Victorian Avenue have made it so accommodating for the hosting of these community events? And um, can you think of any that were maybe historically put on down Victorian Avenue that maybe aren't around today that are of note? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, this has always been downtown for Sparks and it's always been kind of the, the gathering place for, for the community. And I think that was, that was design, you know, from, from the railroad when they laid out the town, you know, the, the maintenance shops and the roundhouse were constructed were basically the, the intersection of Pyramid Way and Interstate 80 is, is today that was the location of the railroad and the machine shops are still, um, there and the railroad's obviously still using the yard, but that was kind of where you know the the central hub for for the railroad and all of its operations. And the town was literally built around it for the first fifty years of the community's history. It was a railroad company town, and you know which dominated the economic and social fabric of everything. So you know, everything was kind of um, laid out around it. The businesses. As I mentioned before, we're kind of all there to cater the railroad and the railroad workers. Um, but in terms of gathering events, it was, you know, the, the, the main entrance to the railroad shops were right there. So, you know, political marches, you know, they would try to make a point with the railroad uh, management. They would, you know, start right there outside the gate and march through downtown or march <laughs> through, you know, march to another part of the community. But you know, through, throughout its history, there's some really great sparks events that have that have been held, and one that kind of comes to, to my mind is is Jack's Carnival, which started off as a fundraiser for Robert Mitchell Elementary School, and for many years they would march from Robert Mitchell Elementary School downtown, and the children would be dressed up in um, in, in fairy tale um, costumes, and they would raise money for for the school. And it's my understanding that tradition is still going on at, at Robert Mitchell Elementary School. But there's some fabulous pictures uh, of that, and it was a big gathering. You know, Fourth of July was always a huge event for for downtown Sparks, and um, and and really with the railroad being right there, and people coming through the railroad and coming through the main highway was you know that was where people kind of came in, in and out. And so that attracted, so we've had presidents who have spoke, you know, and, and addressed the community at, at, in, in gatherings at this, in, in this, in this district, we've had, you know, um, the war, war bond drives, all sorts of things. It was just kind of where people, where people gathered throughout mm -hmm. it, throughout its history. And, you know, I, I, I kind of talked a little bit about, um, Victorian Square and the redevelopment efforts of, of the city. And there's an interesting history with with that. And, you know, the Victorian theme, a lot of folks over the years giving walking tours and talking about downtown, they ask, why Victorian? You know, Sparks was established as a city in 1905. That was well after the Victorian age. And what the heck does that have to do with, <laughs> with, with this railroad town? Why isn't it Roundhouse Square or Railroad Square? And really the answer is, is in the late 70s, there was a lot of 
um, opposition and, and a lot of confusion about redevelopment and, and politically, you know, they, there wasn't the support to do a lot of stuff. And so the city working with property owners had to really work collaboratively and come up with, with ideas and new things to get people to, to buy in on, on, on the idea of redevelopment. And in the late seventies and in the early eighties, one of the popular trends was Victorian, um, landscaping you know, with the columns and the, and the wood terraces and those kinds of things. And there was a city in the Northwest um, Oregon coast that the um, redevelopment agency staff and business owners went up and toured. They'd used a redevelopment theme and they all liked it. And it was more importantly, the only thing that they, they all, it was the one thing that they would agree upon. You know, the idea of, of, of doing a theme around the railroad sparks is proudly the rail city had been thought of, but no one really wanted to buy in on it. They wanted to try something new. And that was the thing that people had, had kind of gathered, gathered around. And so that's why you see events like the Sparks hometown Christmas parade for, you know, the past several decades has been tried to bring, you know, families downtown sparks. You know, we had great success with events like the rib cook-off and hot August nights and many other events as well too. And the future of, of the district, who knows, you know, with the, uh, the Nugget Events Center, that certainly kind of doubles the programming of special events downtown. Certainly, you know, the art city has embarked on a lot of great art initiatives. And at the museum, we put on our fair share of events for, for history and, and culture as well, too. Certainly. Wow. That is so interesting how that Victorian theme also just continues to stick in the area. We still see the effects very much in place down that stretch of road all the way over to the movie theater and all that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with, with redevelopment, you know, the, it, it was the, it was the main highway through town. So there was, I think three or four lanes in each direction coming, coming through. So wasn't very pedestrian friendly. So when the, when the city, when the interstate 80 was built, there was a need for all those, all those lanes. So the city, you know, did things like putting in, putting in fountains and putting in walking benches and larger sidewalks and landscaping and things like the amphitheater and, um, and, and the schoolhouse and those sorts of redevelopment projects to kind of make it more pedestrian oriented and more special events oriented. And, and the city continues to evolve that over the years. There's a lot of things that, that have worked and have not worked and it's a continuing process and, and, and it should be redevelopment shouldn't, isn't intended to be, um, set in stone. One of the early, um, I guess, infamous things that the redevelopment agency did was they installed a, um, it was like a four foot wall right down the middle of, of B street. And I, there was, there was an, the intent of doing it was to kind of help traffic flow and help with what they wanted to do with redevelopment, but you couldn't turn left. You couldn't, oh. you know, you couldn't go on both sides of the street. It cut off access. You know, I've, I've talked with uh, Les Ede, one of our, um, our, our, our great longtime members was a former fireman for, for downtown sparks and, you know, if they were trying to respond from a fire from the, the, the downtown fire station, they would have to go all the way down to Pyramid to turn around <laughs> and go on the other side of, of the street. It was it was kind of not an idea that was that was very successful. And so, you know, and there's an interesting thing with redevelopment law in Nevada that you can only do a redevelopment district for 50 years. And and we're coming up on that 50 year um, time frame here in, in 2077. And, and I think the city can really, you know, look, look back at the things that it did and, and the success that it's had and changing the, the area for, for the better. That's great. And 
also that in turn also allows for this idea of reflecting on the past and seeing what is the story that we want to tell for future generations, what what elements of the past do we want to bring forward. And I think that it's interesting, too, that you're talking about that idea of the redevelopment committee in the 70s. And even though um, the idea to really embrace the railroad heritage wasn't the central focus of that redevelopment, we still see the influences with Lillard Park. Can you speak to some of the features of Lillard Park and how that came into existence? Oh, sure. You know, James Lillard Railroad Park, named after our former mayor, James James Lillard, um, was installed in, uh, in at its current location back in ni- 1981. But the, the actual railroad park has kind of an interesting history in going back to Sparks' cin- um, bicentennial celebration back in 1976. Um, in ni- 1976, America was turning 200 years old, so there was a big in- in- initiative kind of nationally to become a bicentennial city. And so Sparks and a group of business owners in the city got together and they formed the Bicentennial Committee. And it was a very active committee. They raised um, a lot of money and they constructed what we now know as Lillard Railroad Railroad Park, which includes um, the Engine 8 um, locomotive that we have on loan from, from the state of Nevada. We have the Harriman executive car and there's, there's a couple cabooses as well, too. But initially, Lillard, um, the railroad park was installed at the intersection of Victorian Avenue and 15th Street, basically where the RTC Transit Center is, is today. Mm. Um, that was the location. And what they did on July 4th, 1976, they unveiled this railroad park to kind of celebrate the, the city's bicentennial, or the America's bicentennial and the city's, you know, patriotic spirit. And another great feature of Lillard Railroad Park is um, is there's a, a quarter size replica of the Sparks train depot, passenger depot that's still there there today, and obviously not used for passengers anymore. But um, so so that so that building and the trains was kind of Lillard or was railroad was the railroad park, and so it was located down there. And so 1981 they moved it to its present location, and that's where where it is today, where we give tours. Um, throughout the weekends, if you've never had the train tour from Dick Dryling from our from our museum, it's a great train tour. He'll take you through the history of 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 the locomotive, the executive car. You can kind of see what life was like traveling on on the railroad in those time. Another feature, kind of on the south side of this historic district, is the um, is the Tony Armstrong um, Sparks Amphitheater building, and that was constructed in the late in the late eighties. And it was kind of an effort by the city to do, as part of it, redevelopment efforts to do events downtown and to go with kind of the Victorian theme. And early on, the city tried out doing, you know, like Philharmonic um, symphonies and events, you know, to kind of get kind of the classier, the fancier people downtown. And, and over the years, we've had a lot of great community events, cooking demonstrations, you know, during rib cook-off and, and farmer's market and all those sorts of things. You know, one of the one of the great stories that I remember of uh, the, the, the amphitheater now was after the September 11th attacks, uh, Mayor Tony Armstrong organized a great community rally at, at the uh, at the amphitheater, which you know, was a really scary time for for Sparks and, and the world in general. But um, Tony would let a great event. Um, there were a lot of multi faith uh, leaders from the community there. It was very patriotic and it, it really kind of calmed the community 
during that. And so it's kind of cool. I think a few years ago, the city renamed the amphitheater in, in, in his honor, which I think is really, is really fitting for, for Mayor Armstrong. And the other feature um, of Lillard Ra- Railroad Park is um, the Glendale Schoolhouse. And the Glendale Schoolhouse is Nevada's oldest single room uh, school that's, that's, that's left in existence. It was constructed in 1864. It was the first school located here in the Truckee Meadows. And it served the town of Glendale, which was located where basically McCarran and Greg Street is, is today. There was a small farming community there. And this was, this was the, served the whole grades from kindergarten all the way to high, to high school. And throughout its, it was a school up until 1958. And uh, one of its famous alumni that attended the school was Patrick McCarran, who later became Senator Patrick McCarran. Um, was one of the most important figures in, in Nevada history. Um, he's kind of credited with um, really redefining politics for small states like, like Nevada. Um, he was very instrumental in the passage of um, federal regulations for civil aviation and those sorts of things. But I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he was very controversial in the way, it, certainly in today's standards, but even during during his day as well, too. But he attended school there. And another really um, cool story with the Glendale Schoolhouse was um, one of the teachers at the school was uh, Bertha Refretto. And Bertha Refretto is famous for composing our state song, Home Means Nevada. And we like to think that there's kind of a cool connection with um, with the school and Sparks and, and our state song because the Glendale Schoolhouse would have been located right next to the Truckee River. And I like to think with that line in our state song, out by the Truckee Silvery Rails, out where the sun always shines, you know, that would have been right in the backyard of, of the schoolhouse when, when Bertha was, was teaching there. So I like to think there's kind of a cool connection to that. And the last feature that's included in uh, Lillard Railroad Park is the Chinese Railroad Worker Memorial. And this memorial was originally constructed in 1964 as a project for Nevada's centennial statehood celebration. And um, it was the first and for a long time, the only monument in the whole country that was dedicated to the Chinese the w- railroad workers who built the Transcontinental Railroad. And um, one, one pant side of the memorial is in Chinese, the other is in, in, in English. And it was moved to... Um, it's, it's current location, 1981, when they moved the, the railroad um, park down there as well, too. And kind of in connection with that um, memorial is a piece of the old tr- of the original transcontinental route. And um, the original transcontinental road came through Sparks and, and Reno in 1868, 1869. And it didn't follow the, the pattern of the railroad that it is today. It kind of came through the East Truckee River Canyon um, up what we now know as Vista Boulevard and down Prater Way. Mm. Um, and so it was so in, in the late, in the early 2000s, when there was uh, development happening around McCarran and, and Pyramid Way, the, uh, the family of, of, of the ranch um, donated a piece of a railroad, of, of the original railroad as a bridge that we believe was built um, by the Chinese railroad workers. And this, so that's another cool feature in, in that park. Now, in turning away from Lillard Park and looking across back to the museum, quite literally the biggest feature that is drawing visitors to the Sparks Museum is Last Chance Joe. And it's my understanding that he has a surprising connection to the happiest place on earth. Can you tell me a little bit more about Joe and his history with the Nugget? 
Oh, sure. You know, last chance, Joe, he's, he's a sparks icon. He's been a fixture in the community for about six decades now. Um, he was, he arrived to sparks on the railroad in 1958. And for 56 years, he greeted customers on the North side of the, of the nugget there in on, on Victorian Avenue or, or B street. And he was kind of part of an era of a really unique era of, of American history with kind of the roadside attractions and, all of all of that kind of era of uh, of marketing, but um, you know he uh, he was designed by R. H. Gross Scenic Studios out of Los Angeles, who did a lot of work um, initially for um, the original Disneyland down in down in Southern California. And he was constructed of paper mache and fiberglass, and he arrived in Sparks on a on on the railroad in kind of four different or three four three or four different different pieces. And um, in in two thousand fourteen. When um, when the new owners of the Nugget came on board, they decided that Joe wasn't part of their new their new plans, and so that launched a big community effort at the Sparks Heritage Museum and with the City of Sparks to relocate um, Last Chance Joe to his per- current location next to the next to the museum. And so through that effort, um, it was a huge fundraising effort. I want to give um, a big shout out to so many people that that were involved with that. There's some great information on our website, sparksmuseum.org, about that 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 effort. But I want to put a special plug in to former councilwoman and state senator um, Julia Ratty for her um, champion of of that role. Um, Q and D Construction, Baldini's Casino, and thousands and hundreds of other volunteers and, and workers to pick up a a 50 year old statue, put them on, on, a, you know, put them on the truck and move them down the street. And one of the unique challenges that we had with the restoration is, f- um, for his, for his history, Joe faced North and, uh, and, and it was kind of trying to attract customers on the road. So when we moved him to his present location, he was facing South. And so, um, so that brought a whole new, whole sort of new, new sorts of challenges with, with the sun and fading sure. out and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, Joe's just such a, such a great icon for, for the city of Sparks. And I like to think that he's sort of a distant cousin to some other famous cowboys and miners that we have at Nevada casinos around the state. You know, there's River Rick in Laughlin, <laughs> there's Vegas Vic in, um, on Fremont Street in Las Vegas, there's Windover Will out in Windover, and, um, and, and in Washoe Valley, there's, um, there's the, there's the miner at the, at the chocolate factory too, sure is. which you know, you could consider Joe and him to be kind of half brothers. Um, that that statue in the um, in Washoe Valley at the at the at the ch- chocolate factory, he was low, He was initially um, brought to Sparks as a as a um, advertising piece for the Gold Strike Casino, which was on the other side of, of B Street from from Last Chance Joe and the Nugget. And so um, I will put in a final plug for, for, for Joe. We do are accepting donations for his, his continuing restoration work and maintenance needs. And if you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, visit our website, sparksmuseum.org. I also don't want to ignore um, two very important buildings that are conjoined, um, which is uh, the Bank of Sparks and I believe, I hope I get the letters right here, W.R. Adams and Sons. Is that correct? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that as well, especially because you were actually on the ground floor in terms of getting that the Bank of Sparks on the National Register of Historic Places. So could you tell us about your efforts about that and kind of the history behind those those two businesses that are right next to each other? Sure, absolutely. I think, um, you know, two of the most um, important commercial buildings in, in the history of, 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 of our community 
you know, the W.R. Adams and Sons, that's, uh, that building was, it was initially constructed in 1938 and, um, and it was a family owned business for a hundred years. W.R. Adams and Sons started in in 1915 and uh, they retired on the third generation with uh, Marsha Adams in in 2015, which I think is just an incredible um, history of that. But that, that building is is now home to uh, a different commercial building, but the historic sign is, is still there. And so it was, it was a jewelry shop and that was where you got your watch repair. That was where you got your class ring. That was where you got your, you know, your, your wedding rings and, and all sorts of stuff that uh, of that nature. Um, I know my mom, she, um, she got her wedding ring repaired there um, at, at, at one point o- over the years, but um, yeah, just a family owned business, a, a tremendous history. And Marsha um, Adams is a, a great um, supporter of the Sparks Heritage Museum. And uh, when, when they don't, when they, when they closed up shop and, and she retired the business, the display cases for W.R. Adams is what we use in our changing um, gallery today at, at the museum. Um, and, and another connection with, with W.R. Adams and son is W.R. Adams. He served as the mayor of Sparks from 1931 to 1935. Wow. And for many years or many decades, they had the contract for the railroad's um, stopwatches. And if you can think in, you know, 1920s, 1930s, didn't have cell phones, didn't have computers. And so you had a lot of heavy machinery and coming in and out. You had trains going across the country. You know, time was pretty important on, on the railroad. And so um, when, you know, the, the railroad workers, when they had an issue with their, with their watches, they would have it fixed there. And if you can think of Sparks during World War II, you know, it was a, a very important um, logistics point for the war effort with the port of Oakland and all the materials and, 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 and tanks and bombers and, and servicemen going, going through there, you know, W.R. Adams and son was very, uh, Marsha would tell me the family was very proud of their role and, and the war effort and keeping the railroad on, on time there at W.R. Adams and son. Um, but the bank of sparks building, you know, that's, that's another, um, it's my favorite building in, in all of sparks and it's, it has a tremendous history in and of itself. Um, it was built in 1904. It is the oldest commercial building that we have left in this, in this, in the city of Sparks. It was designed in the Romanesque revival architectural style, which is a unique style of architecture that it was really set up to show permanence and, and for institutions. Some famous examples of the Romanesque revival are the, uh, um, Smithsonian, Museum in Washington, D.C. And here wow. locally um, at the, the Laxalt building in downtown Carson City, that brick building next to the Carson Nugget, those are Romanesque revival. It was, you know, the columns and the brick was to kind of show permanence and to show that this was an important building that was built to last. And it and it's still very much um, there there today. Really, the history of, of, of the community is very much tied to the bank of sparks building, you know, that was where the railroad did its payroll. That was where people got loans for their homes. That was where businesses conducted, had their, their accounts and got their own loans and all sorts of things. And, um, in, in the 1920s, the, the bank of sparks was taken over by George Wingfield and George Wingfield, Wingfield park in, in downtown Reno, Wingfield Springs out in sparks. 
you know, is named after George Winkfield, who was really kind of the owner of, of Nevada, as he was historically known. He had an incredibly vast banking, ra- ranching, and gaming empire. And at one point, I think he owned every single bank in the state of Nevada, including the Bank of Sparks um, building. And so under, under his leadership in the Roaring Twenties, there were a lot of crazy financial decisions that were made. And in 1932, the Bank of Sparks failed. And that cost the depositors of, of the bank over 35% of their money. Mm. The city of Sparks had its um, money in, in the bank. The Sparks School District had its money in the bank. It was a huge hit to the in- entire community. They didn't have things like FDIC insurance and those sorts. And, and more um, importantly, you know, it left Sparks without a bank for, 30, for, three, for three years. Mm. Um, and in 1935, the bank reopened as the first national bank. There was a great effort by the city of Sparks and the Sparks Sertoma Club to reopen the bank. And then up until the 1950s, late 1950s, it was, it was the first national bank of, of Sparks building. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the great stories, and I could probably give its own podcast on, on this, on the Bank of Sparks building, is during World War II, there was a war bond effort called the Spirit of Sparks, where the city of Sparks, or the community of Sparks, they were able to raise over $600,000 towards the war effort, and the, and the monies were collected there at the, at the Bank of Sparks building. If you can kind of think of it, Sparks was only 6,200 people, and they were able to raise over $600,000. That's, you know, $8.2 million in today's money. That's incredible. And, uh, and, and what, that, what that money went towards was the purchase of a, a B-25J bomber that was named the, city of, the, the Spirit of Sparks, and that wow. went on to serve in the... Um, European theater of the war and was a great community rallying point for for the city. Um, I had the great pleasure of working with uh, Margie Foote and her family back in 2006, writing the nomination for the Bank of Sparks to be listed on the National Register of Historic Places, which is a tremendous honor for, for any historic building, but I think certainly fitting for the history of, of that building. Um, it also includes the uh, historic historically know what they known as the carousel shop building behind it now, which is another commercial building. Um, but Margie and her family, a big credit to, to them for w- willing to put the building to be listed on the national register and recognizing the history of, of the community. Absolutely. And in regards to the, the fact that these buildings are still around and even though they are not operating the way that they were originally operating in many regards, like, for example, I think it's Blue Garter Tux, Bridal and Tux, yeah. that is in the bank right now and Pax and Pints is in W.R. Adams and Sons. And as someone who is, you know, like, we, like we've established, deeply rooted in Sparks and you love this area and frequent it, when you go into these places, do you get a sense that the businesses that are in there now have a reverence for the history of these spaces? at all? You know, I, I, I think so. Um, certainly at the Blue, Blue Garter Bridal and Tux, it's a big part of their, you know, their, their, their business. And I, I've done walking tours and um, the owners have kind of invited us in to go check out, um, you know, there's an old bank vault still in the Blue, in the Blue Garter Bridal and Tux building. I know Pack Packs and Pints, they kind of value the, the history. Um, and even, you know, the, the there's the the Victorian Saloon. They still have a lot of connections to the community. Obviously, um, our friends at Oski's Pub, um, they're very into the history of Sparks and trying to preserve that. And then certainly at the you know, so I, th- I think they all kind of value you know the history and kind of the uniqueness of 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 the district. And you know, it's it's really what we have left as part of the historic 
commercial stuff in Sparks that hasn't been knocked down or redeveloped to something else. And it, it, I think with kind of the Victorianization of some of the buildings that adds to, to, to its, to its history and its, and its uniqueness. And it's really kind of emerged as a center for, you know, businesses and culture and, and now arts too, which is, which is a unique thing. Absolutely. And speaking of your walking tours, is it my understanding that you will be doing a walking tour this summer for the Historic Reno Preservation Society? Yeah, and I've um, I've been given um, uh, uh, these historic downtown Sparks walking tours for probably the better part of two to two decades now, and I've given them to groups of all shapes and, and sizes. And one of the great partnerships we have at the Sparks Heritage Museum is with our friends over at the Historic Reno Preservation Society. And for the last I don't know, probably a decade or so, we've 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 uh, been included in their award-winning um, walking tour series. And so, um, but if anyone's ever interested in, in a walking tour, would like to learn more information, just contact us at the Sparks Heritage Museum or visit our website, and I'd be happy to to meet up with you and, and lead you through a walking tour if if you're interested. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like you'd be an invaluable resource. And not only just just sitting here talking about it, and for of course the podcast format, you can only really visit these places in your mind. I feel like there's nothing better than actually physically being in the space, walking, and being able to see the architecture, to see the park, to see these you know historic places in person. Um, but if you are interested in taking the Harps Downtown Sparks walking tour, that will be taking place on July 16th starting at 9 a.m. And you can get your tickets for the event either at historicreno.org or you can check out Reno Art Town because this will be running as a part of the Art Town series as well. And now to kind of finish up, uh, I've been going to ask you uh, our big three questions. And these are questions that I would want every single one of our guests to answer. Um, so we're going to start off. Off with the first question, which is what sparks you about Sparks? What what do you think makes it a unique space to live in, to work in, or even just to visit? Yeah, well, I think what, what sparks me about Sparks, and that, that, that would make for a great t-shirt or bumper sticker, by, by <laughs> it the would. way. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of the, the unique independent spirit and uh, hometown feel that we kind of have in, in Sparks. I think... Um, my fellow Sparkonians, we are very <laughs> proud of, of being our own city. You know, I, I have many friends who live in Sparks, and, you know, if, if they kind of say, oh, I'm from Reno, it kind of irks me the wrong way. And I know <laughs> there's a lot of folks that, you know, that kind of feel the same way that we're, we're proud of, of kind of the history and being our own, our own entity. And I think that hometown feel, and it's really a small town feel, I, I think it's still very much a small town, even though we're now over 109,000 people. Um, t today, but I think that hometown feel kind of goes back to the city's roots. And, you know, when, when Sparks was created by the railroad, um, the railroad literally picked up the former, f former um, houses and buildings and churches in Wadsworth, put them on the railroad and plopped them down into the new community. And so for many months, it was really neighbor helping neighbor help construct the community. And I think that's always kind of been ingrained in the culture over, over the last hundred or so years in Sparks. And it's still very much alive today. Now you've been so generous with your time today and shared with us so many stories from Sparks's history, but do you have a favorite story or moment that maybe isn't even connected to Victorian Avenue at all? Um, either a significant moment that you remember or just a favorite story in general? 
Oh boy, there are there are there are too many, you know, and I could probably go off for for another podcast or two about some of these some of the great stories, you know, about the big move from from Wadsworth to Spark to the Spirit of Sparks War Bond Drive, you know, even to Bill Farr, you know, one, one of the great pillars of our community, former fireman and state senator Bill Farr, and some of the um, celebrations that took place in downtown Sparks on uh, VE Day back during World War II. But to me, I think one of the great unique stories that happened within this, this historic district is, is a bank robbery that we discovered um, when we were writing the nomination for the Bank of Sparks to be listed on the National Register of Historic um, Places. And um, in the early morning hours of March 31st, 1925, a masked man came into the, into the Bank of Sparks building armed with the pistol and ordered all of the employees into the vault. Gosh. He then went, uh, had somehow had access to the safety deposit boxes and the keys, and went through all of the all of the registers and deposit boxes, and took off with thirty two thousand um, dollars in in money. And this was in the twenties, you said nineteen twenty five. Oh, so that was a significant chunk of change. And so, it, yeah, it was it was a big deal and very you know nefarious. Like, how did he have access to to the keys? And so, a few months later, an individual by the name of Dudley M. Boyle was um, arrested in Esmeralda County in, in July and was later brought back for trial. And it was kind of like the trial of the century. It was very well advertised and followed throughout the media and people were, how did he get involved? How did he get the keys? And what did he do with the money? And how did he get, how did he get caught? But, um, and one of the things that, that was, that was, um, discovered during the, during the trial was that a former bank keeper and a friend of Dudley and Boyles by the name of Jake Glute Smith. I just love these names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, he had quit the bank of sparks a few days before the robbery and he had made copies and somehow got him to Dudley and Boyle. Oh. Um, he was initially found, found guilty and brought back to justice. But, um, you know, you have a high speed chase. You had, there was a, there was a suicide in, involved and, um, you know, very, very, crazy history that you know we we we'd kind of uh, observed writing the, the nomination so i think it'd make for a great screenplay it well i was day. gonna say it sounds like the plot to a great western like <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing and you discovered that in writing the nomination you said yeah in the process of writing the nomination for the bank of sparks um building and um it was, you know, really, really kind of, kind of unique thing. And looking through, you know, up at the Nevada Historical Society, the, the, the newspaper clippings, and it was something that we kind of, I don't know, rediscovered. Sure. And kind of been trying to, to talk, talk about the history of ever since, you know, see these, these sorts of things, these kind of crazy things that happen that I think really kind of tell the story of, of, of our community. Absolutely. And our final question of the big three, since we are a museum, with a collections archive, and we're currently trying to build the museum library. Our organization believes that everybody has a story worth telling um, that's tied to Truckee Meadows history, that's worth telling and preserving. So what is one thing that you own or one thing that you know about that if you had the ability, you would put it in a museum? Yeah, you know, this very tough question, I think. Uh, you know, we have so many great things down at the Sparks Heritage Museum, from our oral histories to our photo collection to just our random archives of just treasures that people from throughout the community have, have brought that I really couldn't nail down to kind of one thing that, that we don't have. 
And one thing about, about our museum is we're always looking for, for more involvement from the community and, 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 and to hear those stories from, from, from all, uh, from all of, of Sparks's histories. And so if I were, you know, if, if I, if I were king for a day, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would, I would hope for maybe a thousand more members of our museum and, and maybe a million dollars. I'd like to find Ooh. that and donate that to the museum. I like um, that. Somehow. But, you know, the Sparks Heritage Museum, since 1981, we've been a community-run, um, volunteer-supported uh, mu- museum. And we are dedicated to the history of, of Sparks and, and the Truckee Meadows. And so, you know, there's three ways that you can become and support the Sparks Heritage Museum. You can come visit us. Um, take a tour uh, of the museum. We're located there at Victorian and 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 Prater and Pyramid Way. Um, you can become a member of the Sparks Heritage Heritage Museum, or you can donate to the Sparks Heritage Museum. All all of our, of your donations. We're a five hundred one c three nonprofit, so all of your donations are tax deductible to the full extent of of the federal law. But you know, come 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 check us out. Come come learn more about the history and and, and become involved with with uh, telling the story of Sparks. Well, I can think of no better way to wrap this up. I just want to thank you again so much for your time and for sharing this amazing story. And for this being our very first episode of this podcast, I think that it just centers the Sparks story because it truly was the center of Sparks where everything was happening. And it, it really is all happening here. So thank you so much for coming in again. And thanks for being our first guest. Well, thank you, Jessica. It's it's been a tremendous honor, and look forward to hearing more about this about these these, these spark stories moving forward. The Sparks Museum podcast is funded in part by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It is produced and recorded at the podcast recording studio at Sparks' own AntSpace Coworking Entrepreneurial Hub, a place for entrepreneurs made by entrepreneurs. We really want to get the word out about our brand new audio series, so please spread the word about our new podcast by taking a moment to rate, review, and share this episode. Do you have a favorite story of Sparks that you want to hear on the podcast? Email info at sparksmuseum.org to share any recommendations. We would love to hear from you. We also invite you to visit the Sparks Heritage Museum on 814 Victorian Avenue. The museum is open Tuesdays through Saturdays, from 11 to 4 Tuesdays through Fridays, and 1 to 4 on Saturdays. Please come visit and be a part of our ongoing efforts to tell the Sparks story. We'll see you next time.